0: In our series, A String of Pearls, Dutch Buzz contributors speak to people who have made an exceptional contribution to our local community. People whose passion for what they do have had an added value for the city of The Hague. We continue our series on The Hague's Pearls by talking to The Hague environmentalist Joanna Baumer. Joanna settled in the city after completing her studies in London many years ago and is an active member of our international community. The global WEF risks report that came out last month shows that the effects of climate change are the biggest long-term threat facing humanity and that it is more advanced than previously thought. I speak to Giovanna about these issues and her life in The Hague. You've been active in the marine field here in The Hague and further abroad for a very long time. I think that's what we know you for. Um, How did it start? How did
1: it start? My goodness. Um, Well, I've always been a scuba diver. I started diving when I was, um, I don't know, somewhere in my mid-twenties or something. I'm not going to tell you how old I am now, but I can tell you it's many years ago. And um, in that time, I started becoming aware of seeing fewer sharks, less coral, more bleaching, all these sorts of problems that everyone reads about, but a lot of people don't actually see because they only look across the water rather than under the water and um, so that's when it all started and then I took it up very very seriously I was working in development aid at the time for children's organization and I wanted a year sabbatical so I worked as a volunteer in a marine project with the intention of working for one year it turned out to be five but I had five almost five fantastic years at sea swimming with dolphins and whales and diving every day and snorkeling and working with scientists and conservationists. I'm not a scientist myself, I'm not a biologist. Um, I'm a communications person. So what I was doing was picking up everything that they taught me and what I was seeing for myself and trying to share that through various media, um, schools and so on. And then after five years, I came back to The Hague and um, started working for myself and on the side. I do, uh, I work voluntarily for a few marine organizations. And uh, one of them is the Sea First Foundation. And Is that based here in The Hague? No, it's not based in The Hague. We, um, we have volunteers all over the Netherlands and in Belgium. So in fact, our um, chairperson is in Belgium. Um, but I sort of like as it were, take care of the Hague and, and the regions around here. So I give lessons or, or, or readings or. Anyone that wants to know something about the environment can always call me and we'll always find a, a marine link because everything is connected to the sea. And I think
0: uh, you're pretty well known for your beach cleanups. Is that part of the foundation's work?
1: Yes, unfortunately, the last couple of years uh, have been on hold but we do um, in Scheveningen once a year normally we do one beach clean and then we do in other places as well so uh, yeah
0: what are your concerns um, for marine life let's let's start on on the global and let's mention like the top three Um,
1: okay well as everyone knows climate change of course but my concern as well related to climate change is that the chemistry of the seawater is changing and that's going to affect marine life extremely and um, what happens in the ocean happens on land so it's going to affect us as well. So everything I'm going to say now will affect humans. So some people will think I'm only talking about marine life but in fact it's all encompassing because it's planet wide um, our whole climate is driven by the, the ocean circulation. So I'm worried about acidification of the ocean. I'm worried about the chem- chemical balance in the ocean changing. I'm ba- I'm worried about more fresh water changing than the composition of salt water, fresh water. And cold water, hot water, uh, you know, hot, hot heat rises and cold sinks kind of things. So you get this, that's going to affect all the tides and, and the... Um, currents. Then of course all the other things like plastic, there's a lot of pollution that people are unaware of like um, in the North Sea but not only but in the North Sea there's a lot of ammunition dumping from the Second World War this is still going on all the time. Satellites, rockets, whatever that get launched for into space and all the bits fall off into the ocean. Uh, that's a huge problem you know um, space debris it's called but it doesn't stay in space it comes to the bits that land on earth actually land in the ocean um, and a lot of noise pollution and fertilizer runoff I mean it's it's the list is endless people are often aware of plastic pollution because they they see that they see it in their own lives and they they see all these horrible pictures of turtles getting caught up and dolphins and so on. Um, and that's absolutely horrific, but it's not the only form of pollution. And yeah, we have
0: the face masks now, too.
1: <laughs> oh, they're everywhere. You only need to walk down the street or in in the woods or something, and there are face masks everywhere. It's just, uh, So you can
0: imagine the uh, <laughs> The dumping in the ocean. Um, Joanna, I know that when I invite you for dinner, the fish has to be off the menu. Uh,
1: yeah, I stopped eating um, marine animals, let's co- put it that way. If I say seafood, I do eat seaweed and kelp and those sorts of things. So I can't sort of say no sea seafood for me strictly, but I don't eat any um, animals from the sea, put it that way. That's also apart from to protect the ocean, what little we have left of animals, it's also to pre- protect my own health. You know the, the fish, especially fatty fish and if you eat off the top of the food chain or you eat right at the bottom with the, the, the filter feeders like mussels, you're eating so much pollution and so much plastic and PCBs and heavy metals, I just don't want to do
0: it. Are there any concerns of our coast yeah? here?craveninger The Hague? Um, yeah, I'm very dual
1: about this. Um, you know, they're building lots of wind turbines, and we have to, I mean, you know, for the CO2 and so on. Um, the only thing is that they cause, in the short term, they cause a lot of problems for, uh, for the marine life, of course, because of all the vibrations and the noise. Um, We don't know yet what the very, very, very long-term impacts are. We do know that certain animals will return um, once the building work has finished um, and the the turbines are up and running, but we also know that some will not. And that's to do with the vibrations. For example, dolphins all cetaceans, so the dolphins and whales and porpoises, they use echolocation, as bats do, and all the vibrations really affect them. And um, and it sort of like um, makes their hearing go. It affects their hearing as well. Um, and we also know that certain types of fish um, are very badly affected by vibrations too. So that happens primarily after the building. So you get that sort of like the years of the building work. That's really really horrible for the underwater life. And then you get this constant vibration. And we don't know yet what the very very long term costs are and then of course all the seabirds that fly you know and we all know that the turbines on land affect like eagles and other kinds of birds they fly into them and we can only assume that this happens at sea as well um, so I'm I kind of like see the good sides of, of wind energy and I also see the bad sides and I have no answers I really don't I don't know what's best
0: and then of course we've got the sustainability goals to develop. Uh, that have been really uh, badly affected by Mm. the pandemic. And now, of course, um, a war going on in the Ukraine.
1: Well, it certainly will. Um, My favorite of the SDGs, the sustainability goals, is uh, number 14, life underwater, of course, (laughs) as you can imagine. Um, But any war is devastating for for the environment. I mean, just to put people aside for a minute, any war is devastating for the environment though I have to say that um, during the second world war because of the sea mines in the North Sea and by the way there are still sea mines you can see them on a chart Um, because of all the sea mines and the, um, the warships and so on some fish stocks and dolphins and whales actually made a slight comeback because they were not being fished but I'm not I'm absolutely not saying that war <laughs> that wars are a good we thing. Understand you. Absolutely not. <laughs> we understand you. But there's also it also brings a whole lot of rubbish. Apart apart from the devastation of cities, it brings a lot of rub because your whole infrastructure collapses. So there's no you know, so everything's just gonna end up and the Netherlands, going back to your question about about the North Sea, the Netherlands is I call it the drain of Europe because the major rivers end up here. So what happens in the Alps, for example, washes up here on our beaches or in our coast just outside the Scheveningen and the whole Dutch coast.
0: Um, and that's a, that's a problem. I'm taking you back to the beginning. How did you land in The Hague? You know, that's a question I've never had answered from you.
1: <laughs> How did I land in The Hague? Okay, my... Um, I graduated from London University School of Orient and African Studies and just before I graduated I was planning to go, my mother comes from Malaysia and we were living as a family in Malaysia at the time but my dad who was Dutch, his company brought them to the Netherlands so I didn't actually go home at the end of the last term um, and I didn't want to stay in Britain. So I thought, mm, well, let's just see what the Netherlands is like. You know, I'd been here, yes, to visit our Dutch Oma and Opa, but that's it. And um, so I just came here, dropped my bags, went traveling for a couple of months, came back. And then somebody offered me a job. And then I started dating a guy. So <laughs> I just stayed. And here you are, how many years later? Oh, God. That's for the giving, record? That's giving it away. That must have been, I must have come here in about eighty. Three or four, something like that.
0: Half a lifetime ago, Jana. Oh, for sure. Maybe more. Now, um, I ask you to bring along, um, yeah, a treasured photograph, something off your desk where you spend most of your time, and something off your bedside table. What have you brought along?
1: Um, well, um, I'm renovating my house my stuff is all in storage so I haven't brought anything physically to show you literally (laughs) so you're just gonna have to believe me (laughs) so if you start with the photograph um, something completely completely different from what you might expect Um, I used to do a lot of crazy things when I was a little bit younger and one of them was um, parachute I did a parachute jump just once in my life and it was so fun. And we had glorious weather. And the view while you were dropping from the skies was beautiful. And I just remember that I, um, a friend of mine had organized a videographer. So I actually have a video. And um, I'm screaming the whole way down. But then with, <laughs> with la- laughter, oh, yeah, yeah. of course, I'm kind of attached. And, wonder, and yeah. wonder, yeah. So I'm attached to the the instructor. But you see the curvature of the earth. You see towns and farms. And, and it was Beautiful weather, and, and then all you could hear is... Ah! <laughs> uh, I could just imagine it. And on landing? Oh, oh no, I, I was absolutely hysterical. It was so funny, it was so funny. And I had my dog with me, my previous dog, and, um, and she just came up and licked me, kind of like, where did you jump from? <laughs> uh. No, it was really, really nice, so... Uh, yeah, no, it's a, just a lovely experience. Also just seeing the earth from above without being in an, like in an airplane like we're used to or, or a high, high rise block of flats. So that was
0: just a really nice experience. Would you do it again? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've always maintained if the airplane's burning, I'll elbow my way to the front and jump, but uh, not voluntarily. No way. Joanna, something off your desk.
1: Yeah, um, that's <laughs> that's a bit more difficult because of, of all the computer stuff I have. But if you look carefully, you'll see a calendar hanging above my desk. And every year, this is a, a bit of a tradition, um, my mother lives in Spain. Um, I lost my father some years ago. And every year I make her uh, what I call the Chinta calendar. Chinta's my dog. So I make a dog
0: calendar for her Oh, well, just pictures of the dog. <laughs> I'm looking at it from a distance yeah. here, and I can see snow. Was that last year's February snow?
1: Yes, it was, yeah, yeah. We were actually, um, so Chinto and I were in Spain, and we
0: came back, and a couple of weeks later, it, it started freezing. It was beautiful. It was indeed. I'm, I really missed the skating this year. That was such a celebration.
1: Yeah, I have to say, I've, I I did a, one of those 10-kilometer Tochter once on... It, it was a total disaster because we, I was, you know, we just came from Malaysia and I, I couldn't, I'd never skated once in a rink or something. And I had a pair of um, the white, what do they call the, uh, the kunstschats in Dutch. Yeah. Is that, um, so not the light distance skates, but the ice dancing kind of ones, uh, figure skates. Figure skates. That's it. And, um. So you're not even, you know, not even professionals will do a will do a 10 kilometer in those, and I did, and I couldn't skate, so I was walking on the ice, with my arms outstretched. Everyone was so nice because they could clearly see that this is just not my thing at all. <laughs> so people were going round and round in circles. They were doing like 60, 70 kilometers, and I was kind of like hobbling and doing my 10 for 10 kilometers. Yep, but I did it, and um, now I know it because ice was completely out of my experience that you have those sort of holes they look like holes in the ice but in fact it's just clear, um, transparent ice and you can just skate along them but I didn't know You were
0: avoiding them?
1: I was jumping over them It was so, everyone was uh, until some guy, some nice guy stopped and he said, oh you know my Frau you can just skate over them Uh. I went, oh, okay, thank you
0: But back to your calendar, obviously 12 months out in your neighbourhood, most of them, or some of them broader afield, they must reflect all the seasons.
1: They do, uh, um, you know, so mum gets a calendar showing chinta in summer, you know, chin, chinta in winter, chinter in spring. <laughs> so I, I try to kind of like choose the photos according to the
0: season. How lovely. Now something off your bedside table. What have you brought along? Well, I um, I probably have a very boring bedside table
1: because apart from a glass of water every night, all I have there is actually a book. So um, I'm just reading a, a book at the moment um, called The Seamstress. It's an English language translation from it by a Spanish writer called Maria Duenas. And I'm just really enjoying it. So that's it.
0: <laughs> now, I mentioned when I came in, to do the interview that, uh, for the first time in my life, I was actually feeling a little world-weary. I never thought I'd use that term, ever, ever. But after two years of coming through COVID and now Putin's war, um, how are you feeling right now? I'm trying to be
1: to beat my world-weariness and um, trying not to be too con- concerned what, I mean, what can you do? Um, you know, I mean, my concerns are much more en- environmental and I, I just hope that the situation in uh, Ukraine with Russia doesn't escalate and affect um, doesn't affect the rest of Europe or the world. Uh, but it's not a, not a good situation at all, as far as I can see. So I'm just trying to keep my worries to the worries that I worry
0: about every day. Now, you mentioned earlier in this interview that um, anybody looking for information to do with the environment, especially marine environments, should contact you. Can you give our listeners um, an email address? How should they reach you?
1: Um, yeah, they can reach me through um, Joanna Baumer, in one word, at first in one word, dot org. So, Joanna Baumer at cfirst.org.
0: Got it. Joanna Baumer, environmentalist, thank you so much for joining us on Dutch Buzz. For Dutch Buzz, I'm Lilian Strohbach. Dutch Buzz, made by the international community, for the international community.